Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to the managerless and rudderless, it seems, heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined again to dissect some terrific games of football, Mark Donaldson. Hello. How, how do we make the next hour listenable? Um, because... Oh God! It's like saying, <laughs> "How do we make the next ninety minutes watchable?" When you go and yeah. see hearts. Yeah. So, so what, what our job is this week is to to give you an hour or so in which you actually don't mind listening, and it's not the same as it as it always seems to be this week. So, so that's not an easy task for us. <laughs> so hopefully, in about sixty minutes' time, you'll hear us play out with the song that you're going to choose to play out with, <laughs> and you'll have listened to the podcast in its entirety this week. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying I, I would understand if you chose uh, halfway through to say it's just too negative, because I, I, I think there's there's a lot of negativity going about. So we've we've got to try and find no full positivity. We've got to try and find something to keep our audience today. That's our task. Um, I got a tweet after oh, last, yeah. last night's <laughs> yeah. game. Last yes. night's game um, against Livingston. Now, th- this is a different tweet than what I told you about actually. Um, oh. from Big Fairly. Which basically just said, um, "Gonna do a solid and not cover the next game." Um, went went on to say, "Nothing against you, um, just don't want to have any coverage of Hearts right now," uh, which which probably says a lot at the moment. Um, what would you What would you rather be? Would you rather be a Hearts fan or an Arsenal fan right now? Because when we were recording this, they're one 0 down at home to Brighton at half time. They've been absolutely insipid. Awful. Would yeah. you rather be an Arsenal fan or a Hearts fan right now? Oh, God, it's a interesting choice. I'd um, rather be a Hearts fan. You know why? Because it doesn't matter how bad we are, how bad things are at Tynecastle as well. It's our club. And you know what? When th- This is when we appreciate the good times. Because eventually they'll come. It might take a while. <laughs> you hope. <laughs> it's got to. Because we can't get much lower right now without going down. So we've... I, I'm I'm all right being a Hearts fan. I'm I'm happy being a Hearts fan. I'm just not happy with the way things are in it. I wouldn't change it for the world. Because, Obviously, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, it's just it's just this is this isn't who we are right now because we're nothing right now. We are insipid, like Arsenal. Uh, we are rudderless. We are leaderless. Um, we are lacking confidence. That's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. They have an interim manager. We have an interim manager. The game against Brighton, the majority of their players are better than the opponents. The game against Livingston, the majority of our players, in theory, talent-wise, were better than our opponents. Yet, it took us until the 87th minute to get an equaliser. Might not have been deserved, might have been, depends on your view. Arsenal might or might not get an equaliser, they might go on to win. But both teams right now are in a bad place. But that will make when the good times come... We'll, we'll 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 appreciate them a little bit more, hopefully. Yes, they've they've not um they've not arrived yet, but we will <laughs> we will oh, talk about sure. Hearts uh, nevertheless. Um, Rangers and Livingston, the two opponents uh, that Hearts have faced since we last had the podcast. Uh, we'll talk briefly about the two games without dwelling too much because um it's a bit of a case of uh, Groundhog Day, been there, done that. You've heard the podcast um, many, many times over the last few months. 
So we'll see where we go tonight. We'll talk about those two games. Um, we'll look at the kind of bigger picture a little and maybe even look ahead to the game at Fir Park on Saturday if we if we dare. Before we get stuck into the um, the, the two matches I mentioned, one of the other tweets I got, which uh, is the one Mark was thinking of when I said I was going to mention a tweet, is that Ewan Pringle messaged and um, said, I wonder, basically asked, wonder what the current podcast to win ratio is um which is we know? an interesting question so yeah we went and checked the podcast has been going for over a year now since first uh, of october 2018 um interestingly in a very depressing manner i looked oh what was the what was the game that we just played that we talked about hearts 2 st johnston 1 um now, the reason it's kind of depressing is because if I open the BBC article, it starts with, unbeaten hearts remain five points clear at the top of the Scottish Premiership. Yes, that's that. it was that time. Um, where where has it all gone wrong? So, indeed, that was the, the, la- the first game we reviewed. So, since that game, because obviously we hadn't started when that game was played, uh, we've had, I'm going to look at league games only because we've obviously played a lot of lower league teams in the two cups. Uh, 46 league games since the podcast started and we have seen 11 league wins. Um, we've had 58 podcasts, uh, this being the 58th uh, tonight, which means we've got about a 1 in 5.2 podcasts win ratio. So 1 in 5, basically. Um that's probably about as bad as I expected. I think <laughs> it's it is weird because after every around the funnel podcast, when I listen back to them um, by default, because I saved the first one, it goes back to the first podcast we did. And apart from the apart from the fact the patter's still shite, um, <laughs> there, there's there's a lot there's a fair bit more positivity back then, and and we I got a I got a tweet as the Around the Funnel podcast did about from someone who who said, what, "What's happened since since you guys started?" Um, because it, there's 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 a lot more positivity back then. Is there one thing that we can put our finger on that has seen such a decline in results and performance over the past thirteen fourteen months, or is it a culmination of things? It's it's very difficult. I mean, we, we've spoken about it off air, and I've spoken about it with fans. Um, it's funny because I'm looking at that first game we reviewed, and um, uh, Peter Haring and Jimmy Dunn scored the goals for Hearts in a two-one win with Ross Callahan scoring for St Johnston at put Hearts onto nineteen points, seven games in, so they were five clear of <laughs> second place Hibs, um, who have also had they're not quite as. Um, struggling as we are right now, but they're not much, um, not much ahead. Um, I, I, I mean, you look at the team. Um, uh, we've got Zlamal, Smith, Suter, Dunn, Mitchell, Morrison, Lee, Haring, June, McLean, Naismith. Um, you know, obviously Dunn went back to, um, went back to his parent club. Uh, we've lost Emmy Mitchell, but he kind of struggled last season anyway. Callum Morrison, Ollie Lee, June we've lost. All players who drew a lot of criticism as the season went on. So, I mean, you can't look at that. I mean, Danny Amakwa came on, for Christ's sake, in that game. Um, 
the bench, Bazanic, Amanqua, Doyle, Whiten, Garucho, McDonald. Squad-wise, it's not really changed. I wouldn't say an awful lot on paper. And the players who've gone, I wouldn't say we've lost obvious quality. I think, the, the, for me, it's funny, I was speaking in a WhatsApp group with um, some people who aren't Hearts fans going, Jesus, I, I didn't think I'd actually say it, but are you guys in a relegation battle? And I said, well, yeah, you have to be because you're joint... Well, a point above the bottom of the table, but, but we were joint bottom uh, before the game against Livingston. Of course, you have to take it seriously because you're in you're in December and you're right down there. So there's no you can't just rest on your laurels that things will just get better. Um, you know, you're what 16 games, 15, 16 games in in the league table, so you're well past the a third of the way through mark, almost halfway now. Um, but he did say, "Oh, so must be a big squad overhaul needed." <sighs> And we spoke about it briefly before we went on air, Mark. I don't know yet because the squad are so lacking in in confidence, so lacking in kind of self-belief, so lacking in any direction or proper leadership or management. It's hard to tell because even the players who you know we felt were decent players are looking a bit lost out there. Um, you know, there's plenty that draw criticism that I think rightly draw criticism, but you can't point blame it. You know, purely a Sean Clare or whoever it might be, or Uche, and say it's you know, it's just those players' fault. Take them out and it'll be fine because those players have been taken out. We've not looked good with them or with or, or without them. So confidence is a huge thing in football. I, I think it it can be like that run at the start of last season when confidence starts flowing. Suddenly, teams who maybe were average start to look very good. Because they've got that belief, everyone's got that self-belief that they can go out there and they can win. And when you draw, when you have that drop in confidence, you can see, you can hit a rut. And in football, that rut can go on not only for weeks and months, it can go on for years. Look at the likes of Sunderland and Stoke, who we mentioned them before as well, who have just free-falled and they've just never managed to recapture. No matter how, no matter how good their team is on paper to those around them, it doesn't always matter. If you just can't find the right leadership and you can't find confidence you can you can bring great players in but they very quickly get dragged into that just into that rut with the rest of them so a new manager's key and i think a new manager's got to be given time not only to you know i guess stamp his authority on the team but also to properly assess and see right who is actually underperforming who i can get more out of and who is actually deadwood and i need to chuck because it's hard to tell with a lot of them. Uh, you know, I think Loic Demure is a prime example of someone who looks really poor, to be honest. He's getting a lot of criticism, and I, I, and I understand it, because he's looked a complete passenger. Um, but he's someone who played very regularly in an English um, championship team that got promoted to the Premier League. But fair enough, he only played a handful of games in the top flight. But I fail to believe that a player who can play at that level consistently can suddenly be absolute garbage in the Scottish top flight. And it's just one example, but do you know what I mean? I just think it's hard to sit and dissect, right, chuck him, chuck him, keep him, keep him, because we don't know. The new manager might find something in a player that we haven't seen yet because he might just be able to get out of him. One of the things I was planning to say today has just been said, and I think you, you've said it very eloquently, very well, and it's about confidence. You compared the team when we first did our podcast with the team now, and 
depends. Arguably, we might have had slightly better players now or, or back mm-hmm. then. Yeah. But what did they have that this team doesn't have? Confidence. And and that's that's the bottom line. And you're, you're spot on when you talk about that. And I think it's a fair point as well about isolating certain players and, and having a go at them. We all have our boo boys. We all have our favourites. We all have those who we look over or pass comment on. But we also have those who make mistakes, but we're like, oh, we'll, we'll cast a blind eye to that one because I like him and he doesn't, he doesn't normally do that. So I think, I think you're right with regards to the Demur and the Sean Clare and other things as well. The, the, the confidence aspect is, is, is absolutely huge. In any sport, momentum and confidence yeah. are massive. Yeah. Right now, Obama Yang and, and, and Lacazette, right? They're, they're, they're two of, of, Two of the, the probably two of the best or one of the best strike partnerships in, in European football. They're just not scoring goals right now. Now, is it a lack of service? Maybe. Certainly part of it is, is, is confidence. But what, what you want in football is someone who's irrespective of whether they're full of confidence or whether they're going through the worst run in the world that they've ever been through. You still want them to show. Give me the ball. Let me do something to put the booze behind them because they're desperate to make amends. There's two types of, of players. There's the leaders, the on-field leaders that just want the ball. They may not be the best footballer in the world, but they don't shirk. They're not shy. And there's those that might have a lot more ability, but oh, I should have fancied this today. Now, the likes of Glenn Whelan and Loic Demur to an extent, they didn't sign up for this. But now it's a case of, well, okay, this might not be what you signed up for. It might not be ideal. You might not like it. You've got to help us get out. And it's not just directed at those two. This is when we see, and it'll be interesting if if um, the next manager's hopefully just around the corner, he'll have done his due diligence. He'll know which players he can trust yeah. or has an idea based on, on some of the performances. And I mean, I think Austin McPhee made five changes after yeah. the Rangers game. He probably could have made a lot more. Well, I think went we back look, to four, yeah. forced back to four. Four because of, because of Brandon, yeah, yeah of Brandon. And, and, and Hickey. But I think now you learn more about players than than you do when you've got full confidence and momentum going. Because it's at times like these that the Hearts fans who were at Ibrox, the Hearts fans that were at Tyne Castle, that were at Rugby Park um, in the last three games, they'll know. They'll know the ones who want the ball, if any. They'll know the ones who shirk. Now, we've, we're not shy. We've given a fair bit of criticism um, to, to Sean Clare in, in the past. I would say it's, it's, it's justified, but I'd also say it's, we've, we've been not quick to praise, but we, we, we've said, look, he would be one of the first names on the team sheet if he brought the ability and the application to every game he plays. We've seen it not often enough. He has admitted that himself. He was going through various issues and he's capable of better it wasn't personal but I think with the Sean from from what I saw and I saw the majority of the game against Livingston Sean Clare wasn't the worst player out there no and it's and it's it's interesting actually when you were mentioning about the manager the new manager whoever he might be you know we obviously hope it'll be Daniel Stendhal but until it's done I think until you've seen that photo with the scarf above the head you don't want to count any chickens um but it's interesting, Stephen McLean, I was listening to his post-match interview when I was still at Tynecastle, and he said, uh, I didn't, uh, I'm paraphrasing because I didn't catch everything, but he was talking about the fact that him and his teammates need to be playing for their futures. And, you know, 
And if people think they're not playing for their futures right now because the new manager's not here yet, then they're kidding themselves because of Y Scout and and other means that you know he, th- he was basically pointing out the fact that the new boss will either be monitor- monitoring how they're performing because he's you know down the line in potentially agreeing terms, or if he's not, then he will look back and and monitor them you know retrospectively how they were playing over the certainly the more recent games because they're obviously they're quite relevant. Um, which is quite a good point because, yeah, I said this to Jimmy last night. You know, I think even talking about the Austin McPhee thing is kind of irrelevant because he's a guy who, yeah, you maybe say he's going to be accountable for things largely from his maybe his part in being assistant. But right now he's interim boss. He's a temporary. He's a temporary measure. I, I think he knows it now just by the way he's speaking and such like. You can't put too much blame on him. And I said to, I asked Jimmy about this before the game and on Hearts TV commentary. You know the way Hearts just looked completely spineless. Ibrox just didn't look interested or up for it. A huge part of that has got to fall on the players, even just out of you know pride about their own self-respect, just to go out there and go look. We don't have a proper manager right now. We've got a guy who's taken temporary charge. Um. We're just going to have to, you know, we should at least be going out there and showing some fight, regardless of who's directing us from the sideline. And that's frustrating, you know. That makes me more annoyed at the team right now rather than whoever's in the dugout, you know. That's a, that's an interesting point. It's an interesting point because I, I agree with with it because you're talking about these players. With an interim coach, I'm not sure there's any respect there. You've got to earn that respect, granted, and look, Austin McPhee's not for me. And it's it's interesting to see both sides of the story. I'm I'm good friends with Alan Press and I've heard his side of the story. Doesn't mean to say I'm going to take his side because I've not heard Austin McPhee's side of the story. Now, he might have a bee in his bonnet because he's got long hair or whatever, as he said to Alan. I'm not going to betray any more conf- confidential information or any. I wouldn't do that anyway. But he, he thinks people have got it in for him because of the way he looks or, or whatever. No, it doesn't matter what he looks like. If he tells you what to do and you're playing at Ibrox or you're playing at Rugby Park or you're playing at home to, to Livingston, you go and do it. You listen to him. You might not like what he's doing because there's, there's a clue in the name, a professional footballer. You get paid to do something. So bloody well, go and do it. If someone tells you what to do, then go and do it. You might not respect the guy. I'm not sure. I'm sure, I'm sure there are players in there that do and, and they don't. And the same with Craig Levine. It'll be the same with Stendhal or, or whoever comes in. You're not going to satisfy absolutely everyone, but at least give them a bit of respect. So I, I'm with you there. I think the players uh, totally, um, unilaterally, are, are, are guilty of, of perhaps lacking respect to what they're told to do. But here's the devil's advocate part of it. I can understand that. Because... It's a human trait. If, if you know that the person is not going to be your boss for the, the permanent future, yeah, that, I that's, mean, the, that's oh, it's, it's frustrating. I get it. I think it's more that, and you can you can always point to, well, players aren't going to go out there and formulate their own tactics or ways of trying to open up the opposition necessarily. They're not going to go in, right, right, he's told us 4-3-3, we're going to go to a three at the back and do this. Of course not, but it's more that the lack of fight, which you, it shouldn't matter who's in that dugout or in the change room talking to you, you should go out there and surely just 
given that commitment on the pitch because you're getting paid a wage and it's not by the guy who's talking to you in the changing room or the dugout. It's by those thousands of people around you in the stand. Those are effectively the people paying that wage for you. Yeah. That's annoying me because the last game, Jamie Brandon, who I'll be honest, I don't think he will cut it at hearts long term and he's, had quite a few poor but, performances down his time, but he was he, one of the few players. He gave a lot of fight against Livingston, and it, it showed up a lot of his teammates. I thought that he was at least digging in. Could have been sent off possibly, but apart from apart from that moment, he dug in. He wanted the ball. He wanted to get involved, and I couldn't say that for a lot of his teammates. So I suppose we should look at the two games that have been played briefly. We've obviously covered a, a couple of points about them already. Um, Hearts went to Ibrox on Sunday. Interestingly, before I have to drag myself into talking about that game, I went to a different football game on Saturday. I was meant to go to Air United against Arbroath, which was called Why? off. Uh, just because Saturday and Hearts weren't playing. Um, it's air. Yeah, well, it's not like it's not like Dunbar. <laughs> well, I went to, I was staying with um, me and the other half were staying with some friends in Glasgow, so we ah, thought we'd, see, so that makes more sense. We, we thought we'd, the women could go out and and go shopping and, and drink cocktails, and we would go and find a football game to go to. So we were meant to go and see air. I had tickets, called off frozen pitch. Um, we were going to go see Morton against Dundee United that got called off very shortly afterwards. So. We ended up going to see a game in the fourth tier of the Western Juniors. Yoker oh. Athletic against yes. New Mains in League Two of um, the Western Regional uh, McBookie Junior Leagues. Um, which was quite enjoyable, actually. It was a uh, quick... Uh, well, actually, we jumped in an Uber to go out there, but I think it was like a 15-minute train journey if, you, if we got that back into town afterwards. Uh, it's out of the same ground, uh, Yoker and Clyde Bank play at the same ground, so it's kind of out Clyde Bank way. Um, home park. AstroTurf, which is why it still went ahead despite the frozen pitches across the country. Fiver to get in. Pound for a bovro, pound for a pie. Free rolls and drinks at half time. And some actually decent football. But not only that, when I walked in there was pyrotechnics on the go across the side of the pitch. There was a flare going off. It was, Jesus. And it was a young team of about five with a drum, with a megaphone, with some pyro what? singing throughout the game. And I was like, that, so much respect for that. Um, Joker doing reasonably well in that division. Uh, 1-3-1. And actually played some pretty good football. A lot better football than I've seen watching Hearts recently. Granted, obviously, it's only at that level, but they wanted to keep the ball on the ground, which is obviously helped by having a an artificial pitch and scored some good goals, some nice movement. I was I enjoyed a good game of football, a couple of bovrils for a, a pound a pop, and went to the local pub, the Love It afterwards, and me and my friend got instantly mistaken for I quote men about town, um, <laughs> and uh, one of the local. Uh, the local drunks decided to start telling us that he's fine with that and goes to see Motown every year and it's fabulous. So there you go. I, I, I honestly <laughs> don't really know where to start with that. I know. Neither um, did I, to be fair. Just grin and nod. Men, men about town. 
Uh, uh, remind, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure, you can guess. Sure, you can guess. It, it, it reminds me of um, <laughs> when we were writing Stevie's book. He was down. He played for the Twenty Ones, um, Scotland Twenty Ones, and England were playing Scotland on the Saturday. So he went down as a fan. Uh, him with his brother, and he got split up with his brother. He booked it late on, so they couldn't even remember where he was staying. Stevie likes a drink. Was pushed. Um, and, and he ended up uh, after the game at night he'd been at a bar on his own because he couldn't find his brother and um, he was wandering the streets uh, this gentleman came up to him and goes um, do you know where you're you're going and he's like no no really he goes well you can you can, you can come back with me and we can have a glass of, of Chardonnay oh, no. so he was like Aye, oh, okay okay so he sat he sat down in the boy's front room and the boy's like, I've got Sauvignon Blanc as well. And Stevie's like, I'll just have a beer, pal. Just, just have a beer. And the boy looked at me and goes, oh, I do like your freckles. <laughs> Stevie said, I've never moved as quick. He says, I've played fullback at Anfield and all the season. I've played at World Cup. He said, I've never moved as quick. And he made this, he said, I need the toilet or something. And he just went out of there. Um, so... Yeah, men about town. So there's that. There's also, where else have we got? Pyrotechnics? Well, it's not quite a pyrotechnic story. Do you know what? We're doing our best not to talk hearts this week, just to entertain. Whether it's working, <laughs> I, I don't know. Secondly, Birdie House. Um, wife's grand, sadly no longer with us, used to live there. And one night, this is oh, 15, 20 years ago, and I'd be interested to, to find out if this thing still happens. So about 15, I've been with the wife for like 22 years. So this was in the early stage of our courting. courting. <laughs> That's what we did back then. And uh, my, wife's, uh, my wife's grand was like, uh, yeah, if you, if you go around the corner from us, you'll get a light show. <laughs> She's like, a light show? Yeah. So what happens is they reroute the electricity um, from the street lights so they can power their own Christmas decorations in Birdie House. The place was like bloody Blackpool. It was outstanding. These folk are smart, right? So what, what they do, there's no streetlights anymore because they've rewired this or they've done something so that all the power then is used. So they don't have to pay for electricity or whatever because they reroute the streetlights so they can have their own, not quite pyrotechnics, but their own light show every night um, with Santa's sleigh and everything like that. So that's the second thing. And the third thing, Clydebank Dunfermline was my first ever game at Kilbowie. So to hear that Joker share <laughs> a pitch with Clydebank um, takes me back to March 1996 and my first ever game as a uh, a squeaky balls hadn't quite yet dropped. Oh, we can, we can play that, can't we? You can, indeed, because I sent it to you. Uh, hello? Well, yes, Terry, that's right. It's been a goal for Dunfermline. <laughs> oh, it's just hideous. And fourthly, wh while we're at that, and you, I'm sure you'll you'll find a way to play it, I'll pause here so you can insert it. Yep, ins insert now. Dunfermline, they had a very, very difficult match this afternoon against Claybank with a full-time score, Mark Donaldson. Final score here at Kilbury Terry, it's Claybank 2, Dunfermline 3. 
The Bankies took the lead after 78 seconds when Kennedy slotted the ball past Westwater, but after a few near misses, Stuart Petrie snatched the equaliser in the 13th minute. A snapshot from Andy Smith was well saved by Gary Matthews, but Petrie was on hand to knock in the loose ball. This finished the scoring in the first half, but seven minutes after the restart, Mark Miller fired an unstoppable 30-yard shot which put down Fairman 2-1 ahead. The Pars looked content to hold on to the lead in a midfield tussle ensued. They were shocked, however, in the 78th minute when a magnificent shot by Kennedy looped over Westwater to even the scores at 2-2. It was end-to-end stuff now, and two minutes later, Mark Miller hit his second and the Pars winners from the penalty spot after Petrie was pushed in the back. The Fremont survived a few scares in the last ten minutes, but managed to hold on to their lead. A well-earned three points for the Pars, and they stay at the top of the First Division tonight. Could this be their season? Final score here at Kabawi Park, Clydebank 2, Dunfermline 3. Very good. And fourthly, um, I got a call from a guy I know who's a producer at Sirius XM, which is satellite radio over here, so subscription radio. He's like, can you come on and do Grumpy Pundits for us and talk to us about Serie A? I was like, yeah, sure. Grumpy Pundits over here is like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for on for a couple of hours. It's a show in the morning hosted by Tommy Smith, the Irish guy with a Y, ball in the back of the old onion bag and all that for those who have watched football back when over in the States, but also Rodney Marsh, him of kind of fame of the 70s and, and whatever. Now, Rodney Marsh and I have history. He didn't know that, but but I, I have proof. And I can't, well, I could send you this because I've got a VHS in the bedroom and it's got the old sport in question. This was a thing that was on STV way back in the day. It was, it was all right. It was a panel and the audience asked questions. Um, and I was in the audience that day, uh, again, probably around the same time as my squeaky voice, the ball hasn't yet dropped, um, Clyde Bank Dunfermline um, job that I had. And I asked Rodney Marsh a question, um, and he answered it. And that's all. That's all there is to it. But that was the first time I was there. It probably means nothing. It probably didn't deserve to be spoken about. <laughs> it, I, sh- I probably should have just ended on, on a high with the Stevie Nickel and the Freckles, but I didn't. But you know what? You You've got go a choice. You can edit it out, but I don't want you to because that last story was shite. I'll leave you know it what? there. I'll leave I it there. I think you should. But, I um... think you should because we're, we, we can't give you 10 out of 10 content every week. It would be nice to give you 10 out of 10 content one week. <laughs> but we do our best. We're not perfect. Some of our stories are shite, usually mine. But hey, it is what it is. But But most of all, a lot of respect for people who go to see, go to see your team generally, but go to see uh, your team at a lower league or a non-league level like that, and you know, create an atmosphere. And, uh, there's something, uh, there's something very heartwarming about going to a game like that. Um, you know, no pressure away from Hearts, where it maybe means too much for for me and for others. Go down at a, you know, a park with. It wasn't actually a bad crowd there. It was maybe the best part of 100 people there. Um, get your ball Honestly, roll. Laurie. Just honest football. Yeah. And, they, and guys, they, who, guys who aren't making money from it. So, you know, yeah, yeah, they're exactly. out there because they want to go and do it. Yeah. They um, probably had to train maybe once, maybe twice. Maybe not at that level. They probably had to train once. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit higher up in the junior level, you probably maybe have to train Tuesday, Thursday. They, they'll do a full shift at work, probably a nine to five. Then they'll have to get to training. Um, they've probably got a family at home. They get it. They appreciate it. And I know there's these TV shows where they do like job swaps or, or, or whatever, but it would be interesting just to put your 
not necessarily your hearts players, but just your, your well-paid pros who play at a decent level and get them to work a, a full day's work um, and, and get them to then train for an hour and a half at night and then get them to play in front of 100 people. And there's no hiding place at all in these. I love junior football. I love junior football. And I know, I know Penny Cook are now a senior team, but, but, but still, there's, there's a raw honesty about that. And I think there's lessons that can be learned by, by some of the, the more well-heeled professional footballers. Well, after watching a team um, put in some heart and soul and some decent football, I went to Ibrox on Sunday and got none of that. Well, not from the team that I was supporting anyway. Um, Hearts meekly surrendered to Rangers and suffered their worst defeat to Rangers uh, in almost four decades, which seemed to just completely go under the radar. Um, yeah, worst... and I think I think right now Ava Grace through in the living room is yep. watching a rerun given by That's... what I can hear. I just thought that was a recording of my commentary from Sunday. Um, <laughs> it was the worst defeat to Rangers since 1980 when Hearts lost 6-1 in the Scottish Cup quarter-final at Ibrox and it was the heaviest league defeat since 1963. Yeah, just like that. And, and you know what made it worse, uh, and I'm, we're not going to go into the game much, was the fact that Rangers didn't even have to really get out of second or third gear. They just had to and, knock, it, knock it about and, a bit, and they'd eventually get some chances to knock in some easy goals. you know goals. what else? Most of us probably predicted that. Yeah. It wasn't a surprise. That, no. That's the thing. Three, no, I, four, or five. No. I thought it might be three because... They were off the back of a European game and had another midweek game coming up. I thought they maybe would keep their foot off the gas. And I was right in that sense. They didn't really have to put their foot down on the gas much, but they were playing hearts, so they got handed goals left, right and centre. Um, you know, Pereira looked extremely shaky, hickey, bereft of confidence. Um, and we offered zero in an, uh, an offensive sense at all. So, yeah, very... Very difficult defeat, very um, sobering defeat, and then we take on Livy at Tynecastle, and suddenly that takes on huge meaning, because Hearts going to joint bottom of the table, um, playing a team just a few points ahead of them, um, and you're really hoping from a reaction, even just from the players, if anything, and do you know what, they started they started reasonably well, Hearts, I'll give them that, I thought Austin McPhee maybe laid it on a bit thick afterwards just about how tremendous we started and we created chance after chance we created a couple of chances one of them was a golden opportunity that Halkett really should have scored was that looked harder or missed to be honest at the time um i don't know am i being over overly critical because of the game the way the way the game kind of transpired how it all came about after it i, I just thought i thought we started reasonably well i didn't think it was you know a crazily good start, but a solid enough start. Probably should have scored in the opening half hour, but we didn't. And then, as soon as we went behind to have yeah, a scrappy, maybe slightly fortuitous goal, but as soon as that happened, it was the same old story again. We just looked completely bereft of anything until maybe, what, the last 10 minutes. I was taking my mother to the airport while the game was on. So we had it on in the car. So I was listening to you and Jimmy, and and one thing that kind of stood out with with the goal that they scored, uh, I was actually at a traffic light at the time, so I was able to watch this a little bit. I was I was um, I, I was stopped, and 
Christoph had the chance to clear it. And he just, he, I don't know if it was panic or what it was. He, he just sliced it and he, it's just anywhere will do type thing. It's just a lack of composure. Um, and and as, as Jimmy, I think it was, that said, you had the opportunity, not necessarily to get the ball to a teammate, but to get it further up the park. And when you, it's just awareness. When, you, when you've got someone who can take a long throw, uh, like Livy have, don't give them an opportunity. It's like a referee. Don't give a referee an opportunity to send you off. He, he could have he got rid of that, either further forward to get yeah. in play or, or just anywhere. But he, he just sliced it. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating. I, I was going to ask you earlier, and I, this will be interesting to get your take on this one. Do, do you do you think there's an element of um, players, generational players, caring a little bit more than than some of the youngsters? Like like for example, your Naismith or or, or your Berra. Regardless of, of the level of talent, do do you, do you think we're now whether it's a snowflake society or, or what it is, do you think we're seeing the end of players like Christoph and Stephen Naismith and Scott Brown and, and, and these guys? We, we had the days back in the 70s of, of the Leeds United guys and the hard boys, and in the 80s we, we had Sunes that, that came up. Um, do, do you think now, because you're younger than me, but there's also the, the, there's folk a lot younger than us, is it now a case of those those days are gone and it's all about technical ability and, and, and everything like that? Or do you think we'll be able to produce, um, not talking talent, I'm, I'm talking character, uh, play, players that won't mind being on the ball if there's a barrage of abuse? Do you think it's just a generational thing that it's those slightly older that wouldn't really mind being on the ball? Or have I, have I got this completely wrong? <laughs> I don't think you've got it completely wrong. I, I, I guess it's hard to say because I, I think it's maybe. Can you coach leadership? Can you no, instill I don't, leadership I, in, in, in youngsters? You, you can't necessarily. I think it, it's often going to be a, a, a personal trait, a personality thing. Whether you can, whether you have that in you, you know, some of the greatest players around will be very kind of um, shy and. And uh, w- won't be that type of personality, and then you'll get some players who are terrific at it. You know, Naismith's obviously on the pitch is that type of player. Um, it's sad with Berra because football-wise, he just doesn't look like he since his injury he just has never fully recovered. You know, struggling to even send the ball up the park in a straight line, basically, which obviously kept leading to uh, to Livingston throws and obviously led to that goal. I think it's hard to say. I think it's probably becoming less of a trait and I would say that's maybe largely to do with society and society in football because I guess you're not allowed to I don't know if people like Naismith or, or players in the past would have picked it up from the senior players or from management and coaches who are maybe in their face and show that kind of aggression and yeah. that passion it's very difficult because you know we've obviously seen problems with certain coaches at certain clubs um you know especially down you know south of the border where people have been bullied and players have been bullied which is obviously unacceptable but it's maybe gone too much the other way in certain circumstances where players can't even i guess 
be given too much of a hard time at all and maybe that's actually character building and it could when they're very young develop that i guess that steely mentality and they're not just about technical ability and it gives them a bit more i guess resolve um, mentally jack uh, I, I can see leadership in craig halkett and yeah, he's a young he's still guy. quite young still quite young yeah yeah so so is that learning from christoph the whole reason i ask this i was listening to a couple of sci-fi podcasts to and from work. Jimmy Nichol, yeah. who I know well from um, working with, with him when he was at Wraith and various other clubs when I was at Forth, and Dick Campbell, who I had some of the, the best Thursdays. It wasn't work. Thursday, 12.30, he was over to Dunfermline um, to see Bert Payton and, and Dick Campbell. They were there for nine years, and it was, it was some of the best times um, that anyone could, could have. There's only a couple of journalists um, that were there. It was like five minutes of radio. Uh, let's get the interview done, and we just we would sit and chat for an hour. The training was over. We'd go for lunch, and and the the Dick Campbell and Jimmy Nichols stories are are just brilliant. But the point of this is, both said completely unprompted, and I'm sure they don't listen to to the, the podcasts. Um, both said exactly the same thing about having a team with experience as well as talented youngsters. And you just can't, it's not a case of can't having enough um, experience, but you can't have a team with just, look what happened to Hearts with the youngsters. They do the best, but you need some guidance. And both of them said, completely unprompted, that when they were either managers or Jimmy was an assistant or, uh, or whatever, they always tried to have at least one or two experienced pros so that they could be in charge of the dressing room. He said the dressing room was the only time he said he was ever, this is Dick Campbell. The only time he said he was ever really in the dressing room was at halftime and a quick couple of minutes before the game. He said during the week, he said he never even bothered going into the dressing room, the changing room at, at, at training. He said that wasn't his place. He said I had my two or three lieutenants and, and Jim Jeffries was the same. Jim and Billy. Um, kind of did that. They they had their guys that they could trust. Um, and but, I, but to be I, fair, Jim, Jim Jeffries instilled a lot of fear and respect in his players. But, but, which but, certainly um, worked, there, there, which there's the other thing, and it's something you mentioned as well. Certain techniques now you would not get away with. Oh, I mean, Gary, and it's not, spoke about it with Cy Ferry. He'd pinned up on the it, wall. It, exactly. I mean, Fer, Jeffries. Fergie, <laughs> of course, uh, of course. So, do we have to adapt? Are we too soft? I mean, it's, you, it's you funny can't... though as well because sometimes that's what makes a player, and it's you know, hundred percent. You talk about Naismith, and it's funny after that because I think we, I think we spoke about it on a previous podcast, but it was after the, it was actually after the semi-final win against Falkirk in '98, and um, he was meant to be um, marking Kevin McAllister, who had an absolutely unbelievable game against him, and after the game, I think it was he said one of his uh, parents or one of the family said, oh, you must be buzzing. He's like, no, I want to pack it in. I don't want to go back. Why? It's because apparently JJ was so raging at how much he'd been given a roast in my McAllister that he had him pinned on the wall um, by, the, by the neck after the game. And it's interesting, not quite as, I guess, aggressive as that, but Paul Hartley highlighted Craig Levine's part in not turning his career around, but making giving him the chance to step up and it was when he absolutely slaughtered him uh, post-match after we got beat by Hibs at Easter Road. And Hartley said he went into the, the debrief on the Monday thinking, I've played all right. I didn't do too badly. 
And he said for an hour, Levine just run, ran the video analysis and just said, look at that, not tracking back again, not covering the ground, and just just slaughtered him in front of the entire team and dropped him for a few weeks. Yep. And Hartley said it was that that made him think about, I do need to do more in my game. I do need to track back and think about um, you know, runners and, and my overall contribution to the team, not just maybe when I get the ball and playing the right passes, but getting up and down the park. And he said it made him think about being better uh, being better defensively aware, being better in terms of getting up and down and making runs and covering more ground. And he says other players maybe wouldn't have, other play, players maybe would have crumbled under that. But for him, it spurred him on. And he, he kind of attributed Craig Levine to actually helping him kick on and go from being a kind of, what, an average Scottish top flight player to being one of the best midfielders around yeah. at the time. To, to tie a big maroon bow around this uh, before we move on, back in the day, managers got away, some did, by managing through fear. And and there was no one questioned that. That, that was the technique back there, whether it was Jim McLean, Alec Ferguson, whoever it was. Now... You don't get you don't get away with that. You're you're different. Therefore, if it is Daniel Stendel, and you manage by popularity through methods, hopefully he is the right job, uh, the right man for the job for the players that that, that we have. Because maybe right now, I mean, I'd love to be in the Everton dressing room this weekend because big Duncan Ferguson is in temporary charge. Oh, cool. While while Silva has been <laughs> has been emptied, I, I I think there'll be some home truths. There'll be some home truths. Um, but he, he's he's probably not, and he's not an older guy, but he's someone that could manage by fear through respect as well. So hopefully Daniel Stendel, um, if he is appointed Hearts manager, or is he mid forties? Um, he's not a coach by all accounts. Who he certainly doesn't coach by. F- Instilling, uh, installing fear into to, to players, but he wants not to be their pal, but to be someone who is respected by his methods, and he gets it. He's not that much older than than some of the more experienced players, so I think I think I'm hopeful it's it's Stendhal. And I know we we're not going too much into it today because when you've got a weekly podcast and still we we don't know what what the future holds yeah. um for hearts it's very it's very difficult we've got to keep it as generic as possible but yeah McPhee said think, it probably next week he thinks it's like, it won't change yeah, and this the, weekend yeah, and, so. and, and th- th- this isn't about oh they've taken all this this time because there's a reason why and all once the press conference takes place with the new manager all the questions that need answered can be asked to get answered but right now this isn't about us um talking about duration it's taken or whatever We've tried our best not to dissect the Rangers game too much or, or the Livy game too much. Um, we've tried to offer some some home truths. But I, I just think Stendhal at, at that age, but the more I think about it, and the more I think about the players that we have and other teams have and the managers that get the best out of them, I'm not sure a Neil Warnock-type character would have been the, the answer, thinking about it now, um, for potentially some of the softer players yet technically gifted have in our team before we go i mean we could talk about motherwell this weekend but again i don't know if there's 13 a, to 10 laurie 13 to 10 I, <gasps> very surprised that the odds motherwell are i mean 
I suppose a couple of things to look at, which kind of lends itself to the Motherwell game as well. Um, you talked about Stendhal, and I guess if it, if it was Stendhal, I think one thing that I do like the sounds of is not just his style and his approach, but the fact that he does have a very recognisable style and approach because the team lacks an identity and lacks a direction. And I felt it did under Levine as well. You know, We didn't just have, contrary to what a lot of um, you know, people believed. We didn't just have a up and at him and lump it forward um, approach. Sometimes I felt that maybe it would have been better if we did that consistently because sometimes it was just, it was weak and it was passive and it was slow and it wasn't direct. Um, so I like the idea of finding someone who can instill an identity, a, a char- you know, some character into the team, a, a, a very specific style. Whether he can get it out of everyone who's currently there, that will obviously time will tell. Um, interestingly, always a jambo tweeted us and um, said, "Is there not a danger that everyone is expecting miracles from the new coach? What happens if form does not improve within, say, five matches? I think he has to get a free pass until next season." He has a big job ahead. So, looking at that, I mean, we don't know it's going to be Stendhal, so we'll just say whoever the new manager is. Um, I don't want to get into the Motherwell game too much, uh, but looking at the table right now, before the Motherwell game, Hearts are second bottom, 12 points. One point off the bottom, level on points with team, two teams who could be in a relegation playoff. So, I think we have to treat the threat of relegation very realistically. I would hope that it wouldn't end up that way, but we're down there just now, so I don't think we can take our eye off the ball in that sense. You look up the table, third place would have probably been our tar- target at the start of the season. A very consistent and decent Aberdeen team are 17 points ahead of us. I don't think you can realistically look at that. It's just, that's gone, I think. Fourth place Motherwell, 16 ahead of us, and they could be 19 ahead of us if they beat us at the weekend. I think that's out of reach as well, to be honest. Kilmarnock fifth, 11 points ahead of us. I, I know we've got a game in hand, but it's against Celtic. I don't know about that. I, I think, realistically, in my view, Mark, in league positions, if we want to look at that, I think you're looking at Hibs in sixth. One, because they're only seven ahead of us. You know, two or three games, you can get that back. And two, because as petty as it may seem to some people outside of Edinburgh, who finishes above who is still something. It would be a good place to start for a new boss if he could try and catch Hibs. Um, that's league position. I guess, in terms of the team, I think the new boss needs to have a very... Hopefully, the new boss will be in in the next week or two. He very needs to quickly, before January, figure out who is definitely not going to be my plans. I think that's his first his, his kind of priority, is assessing that squad. I think we've got to give him time. I think always a jambo is right. I think people... You know, maybe it would happen. Maybe it hit the ground running. It might not, though. It's a big job. Um, I don't think we could. You can. You can even come close to um, giving the new boss criticism or getting too excited in five games. You know, if he wins his first five games, I think you've still got to try and keep your feet on the ground. Great, well done, good start. If he loses his first five games, I don't think you can panic. Really, you've got to give him some time. I think we're in danger of, of going down the guilty path of, oh, Aberdeen have got 29 points. And Motherwell, our target right now is Livingston. One place oh, ahead Oh, yeah, of I just mean if the new boss comes in, he's 
No, I know. Targets I know, are going to be discussed. They're going to have to be well, discussed. No, no, um, uh, of course. But you, what what Hearts have right now is they've got eleven players that that started against Livingston and and a, a squad that that just needs it needs confidence. How do you get confidence? Let's take you back to the run that we were on. Uh, not the winning run, but the losing run, or the, the 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 run without a win last season, and the podcast that we recorded prior to the Motherwell game, um, saying just bite, scrap, scratch everything you can. Just it doesn't matter what. We just wanted to see a fight. We wanted to see this, whether it was the scrappiest goal in the world or the best goal in the world. We didn't care. We just wanted to see something. That's what we need. That, that's what we need. And it, it's ironic that it's Motherwell again. Um, who knows if there's a new manager in charge? It, it, it shouldn't matter. Could be watching to, though. He could be watching. He, he'll be watching. Yeah. yeah, whether it's live or or whether it's it's on um, tape or video or tape. Listen to me. It sound like I'm <laughs> from 1986. Um, he, he'll 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 see the game. He'll if if he probably has watched a number of hearts. If he's confident, he's going to be the next man for the job. Um, whether that's the Barnsley compensation can be rectified or whatever. If I'm him and I think I've got a chance of getting this Hearts job, and by all accounts, the personal terms and everything have been agreed, I've already watched as many games as possible this season. This isn't a case that he'll be watching on Saturday. He'll know. He will know who he can trust already by watching games. I'm sure your commentary will have featured a lot in Daniel Stendhal's spare time right now. Irrespective of whether he gets God, the job no, or that's not, a, that's, that's that's probably going to put you didn't think about that, anything else. You didn't think about that. <laughs> You're going to be his best pal. You didn't think about that. He he will have done his due diligence, whether he's taken over or not, because right now there is a decent possibility, by all accounts, that he'll be the next manager of Hearts. And even if he doesn't, he should still have been watching games. And I'm sure he will. Have. Just I'm in sure case. He will have. Yeah. So the mother, whether or not the mother game changes things, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. And and these these players, they need to take a look at themselves. And every, every set of player does who suddenly gets a new manager bounce because you're you're not going to run through brick walls for for one coach, but you'll you'll do it for for another coach. No, no, that that, that again, that's a lack of respect. Do you remember um, after George Burley got sacked and? Um... <laughs> I remember it rather well. Yes, you were obviously. I was. I was I had, me, uh, merely I a seasoned. Uh, was that? Yeah. The, more of the concern was I. I went through a phase where I thought the 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 gap on the top of my head where there used to be hair could be covered by growing the hair that I had, and it was horrific. That's what I remember about the press conference <laughs> okay. afterwards. The impromptu ones with George Fouts, um, well, <laughs> post George. Burley sacking. When a photographer took a photo, I'm like, oh, Jesus. I went to the hairdresser on the Monday and got it, well, not shaved, but yeah, that, that's what I remember okay. about that day. Anyway. That's a, an interesting tangent. And um, what I was going to mention was, I don't know if you recall the fact that supposedly um, Hart's club captain at the time and ever popular with all the Hart support, Mr. Stephen, Mr. Stephen Presley, took it upon himself to... Um, speak to the players before the Dunfermline game and yes. the a speech um, similar to any given Sunday um, was said, I believe, was that what the talk was? I'm trying to remember what the story was, but... Believe! 
There's yeah. not a book about. Yeah. Oh, oh fuck it. You're going to plug that again. Um, <laughs> what's that about? 5 I'm not plugging Amazon, a book right? you can't buy anymore. No, you uh, can get five copies for 5p. I've got a copy here somewhere. Give that one well, away. Well, no, do, do me a favour. Go and stick it in your bookshelf and stop using it as something you prop underneath your table leg because it's wonky. <laughs> a bit of respect, son. <laughs> but anyway, a little but... bit of erasure should be the, 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 the going away song. Okay, there you today. go. A little bit of respect. Okay. Today. I'm so, respecting my elders by giving you the, the choice there. Um, there you go. There you go. A little so, bit of respect. But what my point? Christ God, you, yeah. you can't have derail my points. Um, was it Stephen I Presley? I should respect you more, shouldn't I? Stephen Presley, with the, obviously, I think McGlynn had taken temporary charge. Um, but Stephen Presley took upon himself to basically ensure that the team knew what was expected of them and that going out and still performing was essential. And that's what I would want from 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 Naismith and Better this weekend against Motherwell. We, we don't have a full-time boss, but in that, I want to see those players go out and I, hope, I would hope they get a result, but if they don't, I want to at least see, it looks like we've got 11 players giving their all for that jersey and that badge, not for whoever's in charge of the team, but for the bloody fans that pay their money, because I tell you what, I, I, I was getting paid to be at Ibrox, so, and it was hard enough for me, but... You I, were getting paid? I, bloody hell, you I know. Paid, Crazy. You get paid to do commentary now. Crazy. Um, you don't even lie. You, you were there. The, you were there in the Romanov era. I, I get, I get the crumbs compared to that. The um, Romanov era. I I still call them on a weekly basis, wondering where my 2007 <laughs> invoice is still going to be paid. But those fans who actually travelled through to Ibrox, I mean that I, I, the players should be embarrassed to go out and do that in front of them. I, I mean it's for them that those are the people who are paying quite a lot of money to go and watch them. So forget, you know the club itself forget whoever's managing them but the players should go out there and for pride and for the people who are paying to go and see them they should at least be given their all and showing some fight and determination and that's what i want to see this weekend it doesn't matter who's who's in the dugout or who's picking the tactics or what the tactics are fight determination effort that should be 100 percent, regardless of what's going on there but what's changed how are you going to get that from them against motherwell when you didn't get it against Rangers and Killy to an extent. Oh. If, if that's what if that's what was lacking, the only thing that's going to change that is is a new manager in charge, a fresh broom that comes in, gives those who don't think they've got much of a, a, a chance fresh impetus. And and sadly, that's the way football works. And to be fair, in industry, and if you don't like your boss, you're happy when a new boss comes in. I'd like to think you don't down tools. Whatever job you do, you still. You still do your job to the best of your ability, regardless of who your boss is. But I think in football, it's a little bit different. You may be right, but let's hope... Brighton have won. So my, my point stands about oh, well. Arsenal and ability <laughs> and everything like that. And Well, the thing is, just... look at the table. Um, the underdog uh, winning should just give us encouragement because uh, Hearts are going to Motherwell and based on the league table and form... Uh, the Motherwell should be heavy favourites. They're not heavy favourites, uh, but that's possibly just Hearts in name alone. Um, so if Hearts... they beat us, Laurie, if they beat us, they are 19 points clear. Yep. If we win, then maybe it's the start of something. Let's Who hope. knows? Let's hope. I'm not, I'm not expecting much this weekend, so anything beyond a defeat anything more than a defeat is a, a bonus anything better than that is a bonus and hopefully by the time 
we are talking next week. We do have a new boss and we can talk about that. And we might have some positivity because, yeah, some people mentioned to us that, you know, compared to the first shows, um, the 50-something shows are, have all been pretty negative and our, our tone has been rather somber. Mm. So hopefully by the time we get to a century of shows, if people are still bloody listening, it's very positive and we're talking about hearts being brilliant. So, um, interesting, I think you've given homework without realising because... Oh, what's that? Well, because... Before we came on, I was saying, "What can we talk about?" Because we just keep moaning about hearts being crap, and we need we need a different angle. Oh, and one of your suge- ball homework. One of your suggestions was, what, what, "What what could happen from now? What could happen now?" So let's think ahead. What could happen in so a hundred shows? Um, what's that? So fifty shows, fifty weeks. Um, where where are we going to be talking? Where are we going to be at then? By the, that point. Kind of ar- ar- early next season. Yeah, so let's the easiest thing would be. Let's talk about yeah, the fact that so that when we started the podcast, it was we hearts had a brilliant start. So we were early part of last season. We're now obviously a third of the way through this season. So by the early part of next season, where are hearts at? Give it, give us your crystal ball prediction. So what's happened between now and then you know new boss changes in players how did the how does the rest of this season go how does next season start you know have we had a big recruitment drive have we got a much different team have we got a similar team but they're suddenly performing um yeah so give us your crystal ball what what could happen it could be realistic could be a bit of fun could be completely unrealistic um so i think that's a good thing to talk about for next week where where are we going to be by the early stages of next season? Where are hearts going why, to be? Why, why do we do it a year's time? A year's we time? Started, Fair we, we st- around that time, just to start next season or a year's time. Hearts yeah, will be preparing. Protein, protein under, under, yeah, under mm. Daniel Stendhal, uh, hearts will be preparing for the League Cup final with Christoph <laughs> Berra having joined the coaching staff, the new captain, Stephen Naismith, is hoping to become the first Hearts captain to lift the League Cup since 1962. Um, we're fifth in the table. We've, we've had an okay start, but we're playing some good stuff. And the season ticket sales picked up um, after a pretty slow start. And we've got a decent. We've, we've got the fans back on side. Uh, we're within touching distance of, of third. And with 2021-22, the fact that 83 Scottish teams would have qualified for the Champions League, we're on course to uh, to do what Vladimir Romanov said we would do when he when he took over. So there's a decent chance that in a year's time that Hearts will be in a better <laughs> a better position than they are now. What the what? And there Shite. is an example we just of. For the last, I did for the say last you hour. could be unrealistic, so there you go. Holy There's an example of that. Um, on that note, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna scarper now. So yeah, get in touch. Podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk by email, uh, or you can tweet us. Uh, that's at around the funnel. And uh, for some reason, I'm letting Mark choose the song that we'll go out on. It's all about respect, yeah. apparently. It, it is. It's all about respect. And to show your respect to me, you're going to go back and you're going to edit out the most 
boring, ridiculous, shite story about the Rodney Marsh thing, which sounded good in my head, and then it came out my mouth. So you can edit that out, and people are like, Rodney Marsh story? I didn't hear that. No, yeah, because Laurie has edited it Stayin out. In. So just remember, youngster, for your elders, show a little respect. I try to discover.